Hello, Net Women Uncut. My name is Pinky Gadiali. I'm the founder and CEO of netwomen.co, where we inspire and support and include women from all over the world to get to the top. Our mission is to close the gender and ethnicity gap and have a 50-50 gender split and a level playing field. I'm also the CEO and founder of Mindset by Pinky, where I help people overcome anxiety, imposter syndrome, and limiting beliefs through NLP and hypnosis to break the glass ceiling. Every month, we'll be bringing you our latest updates from netwomen.co and our community. We'll also be chatting about stories we found particularly newsworthy and giving our opinions on them. We'll have a variety of speakers joining me each month from the NetWomen community and having conversations which we don't normally talk about. And today, we have a very special guest, Molly Rose Houston, who is an ambassador for NetWomen.co and um, also has her own marketing company, Heritage Comms, and also does a lot of work for NetWomen.co and Mindset by Pinky. Welcome, Molly. Hi, thank you. How are you doing? I'm very well. This is great to have you on as a guest. Normally, <laughs> normally we're having conversations about work. Yep, so- yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to, yeah, it's good to be able to, you know, talk about what you're passionate about. And um, yeah, I'm quite excited. And today we're talking about you. This is exciting. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So can you tell a little bit about yourself to the audience, to the listeners, um, in kind of 30 seconds or less, which is our usual challenge, um, <laughs> about how you got to where you are today? Yeah, so I originally, my background um, started out in finance. Um, I went to study economics at uni and realised that I absolutely hated it. Um, so I, I made the switch to go into to business and marketing. Um, I did my degree, did my, my MBA in um, business and, and marketing um, with dictatorial led economics, which is another road to go down which is a <laughs> crazy one um and I ended up setting up my own company after so working for kind of in-house PR for a long time um and I ended up being one of the mentioned as um business women Scotland's youngest trailblazers in the industry so that was quite quite crazy um so yeah it was it's was quite a good um career trajectory um for me to start out in finance and end up somewhere where I'm actually quite comfy (laughs) that sounds amazing and that's quite a transition that you've had there from finance to PR marketing Um, yeah yeah definitely I think it it means a lot of kind of finding your feet and finding what you're good at plus what you you enjoy and what you're comfortable at um I just hated the finance world I I didn't enjoy it I didn't feel comfortable in it um which we'll probably get on to in a minute um but I I just felt like it just wasn't where my skill set was um and then obviously moving into things like like marketing I kind of felt like all right I've got a little bit of fuel for this I quite like it um I actually ended up being all right at it (laughs) yeah and hence you're working with me, which is really yep, that's it. <laughs> cool. Um, so yeah, let's tap into this um, 
the world of finance because yeah. obviously with net women we are helping financial organizations um bridge that gender and ethnicity gap and um yeah tell us a bit more about that and what that involved for you when you were working there and why you felt you needed to leave I I, I struggled quite a lot um with kind of fitting in to the finance world um I felt like there was a lot of I know it's a kind of buzzword but a lot of kind of white men in grey suits um type type feeling um I felt like I wasn't getting the same opportunities as my male counterparts um I started in a, a graduate role um working for um Barclays and I I got really quite close to one of my co-workers we ended up talking about salary and realized that he was getting paid 13 and a half grand more than me a year whereas I was the one with the degree you know he he never had the degree you know it was it was me it was the one that that was actually qualified um in that position so I think I was kind of I mean I was 21 so I was really naive um in the whole kind of prospect with everything um and I was kind of like mm, right okay my, my eyes were kind of slightly opening a little bit to you know what is what is going on um and starting to like kind of notice slight microaggressions you know things that that were happening in in meetings that you know I felt like I, I raised the point nobody really listened and then you know two seconds later you know a guy would raise the exact same point and you know they'd be like oh yeah fantastic point wonderful um and you'd be like hold on a minute like am I invisible like is this is this a thing um I also felt that there was kind of not a lot of kind of female encouragement. Um, I felt like the women who had already made it, which there was very few and far between, um, but the women who had already got to the point of, you know, vice president, chair, et cetera, et cetera, weren't really looking for olive branches. They weren't holding out hands to say, look, you know, I get it, you know, it's tough because it must've been tough for them. Um, it was more just kind of right you're on your own get on with it and they kind of viewed you as competition um which wasn't something that it wasn't a nurturing environment to work in and it felt like it was very stagnant in terms of of growth um but yeah it just it felt like it was very uncomfortable you know you're you're in the office at eight o'clock in the morning sometimes you're not leaving till 10 12 o'clock at night you know you're you're pretty much spending your whole day in an environment where your needs on all levels aren't being met um and I I really I struggled quite a lot you know I was I was crying on the train going into work you know which is not something you should do you know I was taking the long route going to work so I was pretty much dragging my heels um literally um to, to go through the front door so there was kind of a, a turning moment where I was referred to once as the help um which made me kind of sit up and go okay hold on a minute here you know we're, we're bring, bringing out the racism cards we're you know bringing out the the kind of really putting you down moment um 
and you know I, I was at that point I had moved up to like a senior manager level so it wasn't like you know I was fresh in the door and you know I'm more susceptible of you know taking the rolling with the punches you know it was like you you wouldn't have said that to, to a male you know you wouldn't have said that to, to my counterpart so what why are you saying it to me um and in that moment I picked up my bag and I left and I didn't go back I, I handed them my notice took my my leave and I, I never wanted to go back because it was essential for my mental health to to work in an environment that one didn't refer to you as the help because who does that um, and and second you know that actually is making changes for women for minorities for people with disabilities and you know just for the general sake of humanity yeah and I mean you're not the only one that is has experienced this and you're not going to be the last one that experiences no. it Sad. I mean I wish I was I wish I was the last person that, that, that ever would experience it and I know you know the sad fact is you know when I eventually do have kids and you know I'm bringing them up it's I, I know I'm going to have to have that conversation with them you know being <laughs> that that way inclined you know if they're, they're wanting to go into corporate level jobs you know as much as we're trying to change as much as we can you know you're going to have to have that conversation with them and it's not an easy conversation to have no it's not and um one of the reasons why in fact my purpose and mission of net women is purely because i want to make a difference make a difference yeah. to the world and changing the way that these cultures and organizations operate from the homogenous pale male and stale yep yeah <laughs> to <laughs> you know i love that phrase. oh i love that i love that <laughs> To uh, changing it to something of um, diversity of the rainbow, as I call it, and actually embracing the fact that we all think differently and having that mix on board means that they're going to be more innovative because of the thinking that they have and also be more profitable. Um, yeah. I think, so yeah, there's... I don't understand it I mean I don't know if I'm coming to it from you know the kind of naive way that you know looking at things innocently um I, I don't understand why it would be beneficial to you to just single out you know a whole half the population you know I, I don't understand that um and it's something that I've, I've challenged so much throughout my career I've been like well hold on a minute you know I don't get this why are you doing this and even companies that I've I've worked with um like I I have stopped contracts if I found out that they were they were you know believing in that kind of thing and implementing you know that kind of business practice you know I've I've been like no sorry I can't work for you like I, I can't do that like I can't what kind of hypocrite am I you know working with someone who is inherently racist or you know it, sexist or you know misogynistic and then you know taking you doing podcasts like this <laughs> on the, the other hand you know who, who could how could I really say that I was true to my own cause um I I don't I don't get it but the, I think the first kind of time I, I realized that it was actually an issue was um I was applying for a job when I was about 18 and 
I remember filling out the, the, the form. I was sitting in my dad's office, um, who is a man in finance. And um, I was sitting filling out um, an application form. And I remember my dad was looking over my shoulder and he went, oh, change that. And I went, I went, what, what do you mean? Like, I, I don't really understand. Like, what, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, change your ethnicity. And I went, what? Like, I mean, I know I can pass as, you know, a white passing person. You know, I do have mixed race parents, you know, but I, I certainly pass as a white person. You know, I, I've never, it's quite easy for me to, you know, quite mingle in and nobody would know any difference unless I tell you, you know, where, where my parents' background's from. And he said, no, you, you need to change that. You need to put Caucasian. And it was the first time my whole life I've always, you know, I was always told you put down mixed. That's what you do. You know, that's the thing. And as much as I hated checking that box, I, I felt really quite passionate about it in that point because I didn't want to lie. I didn't want to, you know, say, hold on a minute. You know, why, why should I do that? And he said, you, you won't get any questions asked that way. And I remember being like, oh, right, okay. You know, I my whole life, I'd never really thought of anything. I mean, you're okay. You know, you get the, the comments in the playgrounds and, you know, things like that. But, you know, you that was the point in my life where I went, oh, right, okay, something's different. And I think every time I've kind of been upfront with that kind of disparity and, and you know, diversity, that's the thing that's always been ringing in my head you know, that, that kind of thing of, you know, stand up for that moment. You stood up for yourself then, so why aren't you standing up for yourself now? Um, and I think it's it's really, really important um, because we've, as women, I think we've been too long trying to hide who we are, you know, we've spent a long time, whether it's not having the vote to not having rights to, you know, not, you know, being able to have a voice. So why is this the last little, little thing that we just can't seem to, to get? Mm. I would love to know what is your parents' background? So my, my mum's side are Middle Eastern. Um, so they are second, third generation Middle Eastern. My dad's, we know, but we don't really know um my dad's sides are spanish immigrants um and i don't know much about my dad's actual side there's a lot that he apparently when my grandparents came to this country they just put down you know they changed their last name to make it integrated um which is actually if you didn't get that my, my, my last name I changed my last name so that you know again it's people don't don't understand what the the thing is when you, you see a last name that you know is, is kind of foreign you kind of people kind of tend to judge you before they've even seen you um so yeah I don't really know I've done a lot of a lot of searching um but I think that's deep rooted in my family history that even coming to this country, they had to change every fiber of their being to, to feel like they had to fit in. And I think that that's no one in my family talks about it apart from me. And I feel like, am I the only one who's like, hold on a minute, this is wrong. Like, this is so bad, you know, like we should really be doing something about this. And I think 
I think going back, you know, we were Latin American immigrants, came to this country, came to Spain, the whole kind of whatever went on there and then just try to pass as you know as integrated in society as possible which when you think of the, the colorful history that, that Britain has as a whole you know we we really shouldn't we should be celebrating that as opposed to you know trying to, to hide it and, and integrate as part of the society so especially moving to somewhere like Glasgow which is not the, I wouldn't say it's the most um integrated but now it is it's a lot better but I can't imagine back in the you know 1900s it would have been quite comfy for a, an immigrant to to come to that country so yeah it's I think that is deep rooted in in my dad's side um and I feel like I'm the only one that's kind of shouting about it and going actually I'm, I'm not gonna gonna take this anymore because I don't like it um whereas my mom's side are just kind of like yeah sure whatever <laughs> like we just kind of get on with it and they're they're quite again my dad's side is more dominated by men so that probably says a lot whereas my mum's side are quite dominated by females so they're quite more open to change the the boundaries and, and move the goalposts um which I feel has really given me that basis of growing up you know being able to to go actually hold on a minute you know I, I'm, I'm not okay with this you know I'm, I've had always had that confidence so yeah strange one <laughs> And when you talk about, you know, your dad having to change his surname when he came over to the UK, how does that make you feel? It's heartbreaking, I think. I think um, I think it's heartbreaking. You know, I think, you know, your, your last name is your identity. You know, it's, it's something that... Um, I mean, you, you hear it a lot, you know, I, I've, I've heard a lot, you know, even when it comes to celebrities and things, you know, kind of almost whitewashing their name to, to feel like they, they integrate and they fit in. Um, and whether it was, you know, dropping a character on, on my dad's um, surname, um, just to make him feel like he, he, he integrated better into society. It just that's your kind of fibre, your identity. Why, why are you changing that? You know, it's like almost kind of wearing a mask in society you know and hiding every part of you which I, I feel is so sad um for me I kind of think of you know I, I think back to I'd never actually met my grandfather so I, I don't really know um but I could imagine the pressure of trying to fit in you know I could imagine that would make him quite frustrated aggressive you know trying to constantly fit inside a box that wasn't made for you you know that's not your box to sit in um you know and just feeling unable to be who you are I think is quite inauthentic and as I said heartbreaking you know it's it's something that you wouldn't wish on your kids and you wouldn't you hope that you know your kids can live you their their life without any sort of outside pushes or you know things that make them change their their identity so I can't imagine what it was like trying to fit into a box like that as I, I as I said I was quite lucky that I had my mum to, to you know challenge the boundaries I mean I was always quite a feisty child so maybe that's my 
you know, Latina counterpart coming out, you know, but I was always quite a feisty child and I was always quite, you know, I would always ask why and my favourite word as a kid was no. Um, so that's that's that. Um, but I, I can't imagine what it was like if, you know, you never had that support and you felt like you had to, you know, don't do this, don't do that. I even remember uh, there was a, a, something that my dad told me when he was younger that he... Um, he tried to get highlights or something to make him, you know, look less. I, I mean, I joke with my dad a lot, you know, and I say he looks like something from Miami Vice, which is probably really bad, um, but it's, it's, it's quite funny. And he's like, oh, he's like, I tried to get, get streaks in my hair. And I was like, why would you do that? And he's like, so I would look like um, somebody from Duran Duran. And I was like, well, that wasn't going to happen, was it? You know, <laughs> like something like that, you know? And um, it, But you think about that and you're like, oh my god how many times have you know I dyed my hair blonde so I could look like Christina Aguilera or you know something like that you know and I'm like and it just doesn't work um in fact I think I even told you that this summer I tried to go blonde and ended up with like ginger hair and I was like this just doesn't work wonderful <laughs> like, you know and it's little things like that that you think is quite harmless fun until you look at it and you realize that I'm trying to fit inside a box that wasn't made for me you know and I think yeah there's there's a lot to unpack with that especially you know growing up as a, a teenager and you know being a, a little bit different to your friends and stuff and realizing that the you know the, the Maybelline dream matte mousse isn't really the right color for your skin do you know what I mean I'm kind of walking about with a clown face um but you know there there's a lot of that but you know I think it is all part and parcel of growing up and I think that is kind of the beauty of diversity is that, you know, yes, there can be some really heartbreaking moments, like, you know, having to come to a country and changing everything about you. And then there can be some really, like, hilariously funny moments where you're just like, you know, I, I laugh at, you know, some things, um, like, even just things about, like, your your grandmother, anytime you get in a cold, you know, there's a, a thing we call it Vicks, but, you know, she called it Viva Poro, you know, and she's like, anytime you get in, it's like Vicks on the feet, Vicks on this, Vicks on that, and I'm like, is that a Spanish thing? Is that is that an us thing? Is that a granny thing? You know, there's things that you get to laugh about that, you know, make it quite heartwarming, you know, there's there's things like that that you you, you feel quite happy that, that that was your upbringing, um, so yeah, it's again just reels in the, the beauty of diversity amazing I love the story that you've just said about you know when you were growing up being a teenager about not matching foundations mm -hmm. I had the same experience in fact I didn't wear makeup for so long because I felt that nothing ever matched my skin um, so yeah, thankfully, you know, the likes of some of the bigger beauty brands now, and even the celebs have finally realized that there isn't just four tones of whiteness around. And the one token black color that, that they always get. Can we just take a moment to just praise Rihanna for that? Thank you very much. Um, I'm forever in her debt and um, I'm kind of sticking two fingers up to Maybelline at this point. Um, but yeah, I know I've totally been there. You know, I, I find, I, I still find as an adult, you know, the first, you know, all my friends were buying, you know, Rimmel, Maybelline, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But I remember the first day my mum took me into House of Fraser and because um, my mom's very quite sallow skinned and uh, 
she took me into house freezer and she, she took me to the Bobby Brown counter and she's like, this is going to change your life. I was like, okie dokie. Like, so I must have been about 15. And um, she was like, this this will change your life. And I was like, hold on a minute, there's tones. You know, there's, I'm quite olive toned. So I'm, I'm really quite sallow skinned. And I'm like, wait, you're telling me I don't have to be white or red. You know, I can actually be a nice golden color. You know, like, it, it's just crazy the amount of things that, you know. And to, to be fair, though, on the, the flip side of that, you know, one of my friends is, is so pale. She's almost kind of vampire-like. And um, she's she's very blue in the skin, and um, you know she has the same struggle. That anytime she puts something on, it's it's you know that that kind of thing. So again, diversity. You know, it's it's not just you know one shade fits all. Thank God, um, you know that we're all walking about with tide lines all around our chin. Um, let's just forget about that. But, yeah. <laughs> Saying yeah. that though, I, I only realized you could put makeup on your eyebrows about five years ago. So that was life changing for me. <laughs> I didn't have to walk about looking like Frida Kahlo all the time. You know, that that was why I looked like for the longest time. I found tweezers when I was like 21. Um, but yeah, no, there's, I think moments like that are, are really quite funny. You know, like when you, you grow up and you kind of realize that, oh, wait, I don't wanna, you know, one size doesn't fit all. There, there's a lot of things going on here. And even coming to like family traditions, I mean, I've, I've got quite a lot of friends who come from different backgrounds. So I feel like I'm quite lucky. Um, you know, one of my friends is Jewish. Um, some of my friends are Muslim. Um, and we, we have some really kind of funny holiday stories about our parents you know whether they're you know white or black or you know anything in between you know we've got some really funny stories and you know we all have that kind of connection that you know our families are absolutely crazy you know who doesn't <laughs> you know we all talk about it and we're like oh yeah hold on a minute my mum my does that as well or you know my dad does that and you, you kind of realize that as much as we're talking about diversity we are really all kind of the same you know we all have fights at the dinner table at Christmas time which I'm so looking forward to um <laughs> you know, we, all, we all have you know the uncle that falls asleep at three o'clock on Christmas day you know and the things like that and it's it's quite I think you know looking in a kind of corporate context why wouldn't you want that you know why wouldn't you want people to talk about different experiences why wouldn't you want a more well-rounded workforce because to me it's just limiting you know and I think if I had to grow up only having you know, one set of friends or only having, you know, one set of people you're allowed to talk to or one, you know, people that you're allowed to communicate from, it's so limiting. And I think you, you grow up and I feel like, why wouldn't you want different experiences and, and different backgrounds in your workforce? I, I don't get that. Um, you know, I think that's kind of the problem which is is going on in America right now you know when you're constantly around the same the same group the same type of beliefs you know the same people that look like you you know the same people that follow the same religion as you or don't you know that kind of problem is is happening right and I feel like it's, it's starting to kind of trickle down into into the UK of this kind of way of thinking that you know we all have to to think the same way to look the same way to, to be integrated and be successful which you know that kind of happened a, a little while ago and there was kind of 
things that happened there, a couple of wars that were fought on that. So let's, I don't see what's the difference there. Um, for me, I just, I just don't get it. And I think that's one of the reasons why I fight so passionately um, about diversity and inclusion and, and making sure that we have as well-rounded a workforce as we possibly can is because I, I don't understand why you wouldn't want that. That's it's something I just don't, I don't get. Um, again, if somebody might want to fill me in on the answer to that, that would be great because I think we're all kind of sitting here scratching our heads going, what's the answer to that question? We don't know. Um, you know, I've never, <laughs> I don't judge a person by the color of their skin or what religion they follow or, you know, who their family is, you know, I judge them by the actions that they make. So why? <laughs> and I'm, so far I'm judging a lot of um, pale, what was it? Pale steel and <laughs> that <laughs> one. Pale melon steel, my favorite. Well, no, I'm, I'm doing a lot of judging there. You know, <laughs> that's where I'm judging the most here. Um, but yeah, I I think, I think actually that's probably one of the the benefits of I would say definitely living in Scotland I think Scotland is getting so much more diverse um and especially places like like where where my my boyfriend stays he um stays in the in the east end of Glasgow and his his neighbours are um have just obviously just finished um celebrating is it Diwali and um the the chalk on the like their their pavements and what they have decorated their house like you know is something that you don't see in a a little tiny sleepy village in Norwich or something like that you know you don't you don't see that you know so when you know we're going into going into the house and you see like the the turmeric on the floor and the the rose petals and you know the bright colors and things and you look at that and you think why wouldn't you want to celebrate that it's it's beautiful like it's it's you know a, a reflection of someone's culture and they they felt comfortable enough to, to share that culture to, to you know expose themselves to that and I feel like in a, a city that probably you know a hundred years ago maybe not been as welcoming to something like that now they felt that they were comfortable enough to do that and I think that that's very very slow progress but it's, it's heartwarming nonetheless you know that in a you know more white passing neighborhoods they were obviously felt comfortable to say you know this is what we celebrate and we can have our traditions here and there's something quite quite lovely about that also the fact that they're very very nice and friendly and give us the nicest snacks that we've ever had <laughs> I quite love them and they you know it's it's things like that that I love and especially when I love coming to the, the festive season when you've got friends that are you know of all different backgrounds you know it's when it comes to like swapping we we say like no don't swap presents swap recipes you know things like that well swap things that you know are you might think are boring to you but can completely just blow some of these minds you know things like that and I always wonder why wouldn't you want that in a workplace why 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 do you not want that culture I just don't get it because to me personally I love it (laughs) Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right that if you're doing all of this in a a home setting and a social setting, then you should bring that into work as well. We should be sharing our cultures, our backgrounds, our differences on a daily basis. Um, I think you've shared 
so much with us. I just yeah. wanted to know from your point of view, going into work, what could be different in the workplace? Do you think that would help, would have helped you in that situation of, you know, homogenous, mm-hmm. pale male and stale, you know, middle class kind of <laughs> environment? What would have been the kind of thing that would have made you stay? I think oh god um, I think that the the first the, the first thing was that I was asked um when I I worked at, I, I moved from Barclays to, to Morgan Stanley and I was asked when I worked at Morgan Stanley to put together a presentation on how to talk to someone of color and I first of all went I am not your demographic for this. You've literally picked the bottom of the barrel, picking me. There are so many other people you could have picked here. Um, And I felt kind of offended that, you know, you had to put, you know, it's not like you're talking to an alien. You know, it's you're, you're talking to a human being that lives and breathes and we are no different. Um, the eventually got a white guy to put now there's nothing wrong with that you know there there is nothing wrong with that if he is well versed in that but he wasn't clearly um he put together a presentation of one of the points a whole slide not just a point a whole slide dedicated to why you shouldn't ask someone with afro hair can you touch their hair and anybody who's been in that situation has just rolled their eyes right now you know, we're all just looking at that going, hold up, what, what, what? You know, it's just common sense, you know. And he he made this point and we're just sitting here going, that's the point, what you were actually referring to, you've completely missed it, completely missed it. You know, we're talking about including everyone, regardless of gender, background, orientation, skin colour, not talking about can you touch a curly person's hair or not. You know, that's, that's it. So that's a good reason why I was like, I'm done. Um, I think get real about it, you know, not these token gestures of diversity days or, you know, putting out statements that, you know, are complimenting your business and saying, you know, look, we celebrate diversity, you know, seeing happy Diwali or, you know, happy Hanukkah or something like that isn't being a diverse company, you know, putting that out in your social media so you look good. I mean, the thing that I, I hate during Pride Month is when companies just start having, you know, rainbow flags everywhere. And I'm like, what did you do for the whole year to to help, you know, people in the LGBTQ plus society? What did you do? No, you did nothing. You're just using that as a marketing ploy, you know? And I think the thing that businesses have to do is get real about it, you know, not just use it as something that inflates your ego and something that makes you look good to the general public, actually get real about it and do something, you know, like include people, have a panel, you know, things like NetWomen, companies like NetWomen coming in and saying, you know, let's help you here. You know, we, we understand, you know, you're struggling. We see it. Trust me. We know you're struggling, you know, let's sit down and have a conversation let's open this up let's talk to women let's talk to minorities let's talk to people from disabilities different backgrounds so you can be a more well-rounded company because right now 
there's no option not to be you are dragging your heels into something that is you know it's not just recommended it's it's demanded at this point um and I think having that element of respect for people I think is something that would have probably have made me stay you know everybody's going to get something wrong I mean I I have friends and you know the, the LGBTQ plus society and I've definitely said something and I've been like no but I didn't I didn't mean it like that I meant to say you know and you know and it's, it's hard it is really hard you know and I think you know we're all trying to figure things out like I said you know I don't know everything about certain cultures I, I don't know everything you know I only really know much about my culture and you know looking at other people's culture but I'm willing to learn and I think that's you know, as long as you're coming from a place of genuine respect and, and education, I don't think you can go wrong here. Um, but yeah, that's, that would yeah, that's great advice. And I think people that come into workforce now in their 20s are pretty much looking for a company like that, where yeah. they're real, they're respectful, and they're actually doing the stuff that they need to do. They're walking the walk, not just tokenism, not just yeah. box ticking, not just, yeah, look at our website. We've got a picture of black people, brown people and yellow people on here and we're not yeah. doing anything else. I think, you know, I, I, I got really quite mad actually. It was a, a past company that I used to work with and and they talk about diversity and, the, you know, the the, I'm not going to say the name because I don't want to get sued. Um, you know, I, you know, they they talk about diversity and say, yeah, you know, we're a really diverse Fortune 500 company, blah blah blah. And I'm like, oh great. So why is your CEO dressed up as an American Indian for Halloween? You know, why are you? And it's something that I get really annoyed at when, you know, people use cultures as costumes. You know, and I'm like, that's not okay like that's that's not diversity you know you're you're seeing diversity in one hand and then you know you're using it as a costume in another like that's that's not respect like that's not how that works um and yeah I I get really annoyed at that you know that's something that I, I do get really annoyed at especially with you know my culture and my, my heritage and you know people using things like day of the dead and sugar skulls and things like that as part of the Halloween aesthetic and I'm like do you know actually know what that means we we love you to be open to it you know we'd love to sit down and have that conversation yes please but don't use it for likes on instagram like that's kind of not not what that that is um and i think that's a big focus shift that that has to happen um you know it's you can celebrate our culture you can be involved in it and that's what i said you know we're always going to get things wrong you know we will get things wrong we will say something we might misgender somebody accidentally we might get someone's culture wrong you know it, it will happen but as long as you're open and go oh my god i'm so sorry can you actually teach me more about this and and that's how you you make a more kind of progressive workplace it's just the capability to listen and learn which I think is is really important it's really useful listening and learning best skills I think for a better world all around I think absolutely Um, just to finish off we'd love to have your advice so what would you tell your younger self um 
don't get the tattoo that you wanted (laughs) (laughs) I'm quite glad I didn't um but yeah I um what would I say to myself I would I would say to myself to stay as curious as I possibly can um because that's how I ended up in the career that I'm in um but also revel in the joy of saying no I think is is quite important um I think when I was a teenager I was very much a yes man um or woman let's let's be honest here um I was very much you know I wanted to to please people and I wanted to be happy and when I I got older I was like actually no I I think my my own happiness is the most important thing here um so yeah I think I think just having that trust in yourself um I think you know when you trust yourself the most some really good things can happen um and you know trust your gut because it's never it's never wrong it is never wrong and it's the best piece of advice my mom ever gave me was trust your gut um, and I know it's always sounds so cliche, but it's it's true. You know, once you get that feeling, they do say your gut is like your second brain. Um, and it's it's so true. And my gut instinct has helped me out of a lot of situations and a lot of relationships. <laughs> you know, it's helped me out of a lot of things. And um, when I've had a gut feeling about something, I've been like, no, get out now. And it's it's definitely been the, the thing. Yeah. Um, how do our listeners find out more about you? So I am over on Instagram as Ms. M Marketing. Um, and yeah, my, my company is called Heritage Comms. So you can find me on Instagram at Heritage Comms. And yeah, and I'm always on the Women channels anyway. So if you, if you see me commenting on there, just say hi. Um, and I'll, I'll be more than happy to, to have a wee conversation. Amazing. Thank you so much, Molly. I've loved chatting with you and finding out about you. Thank it's been you. amazing. Thank you. See you later. Bye. So that's the episode done. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate your support. Email us if you'd like to feature or if you have any ideas at all at hello at netwomen.co. That's dot co, not co.uk. You can help us by donating to our foundation, which supports women who've been in toxic situations at work, bullying, harassment, or discrimination, or you can just sponsor us. You can let us know what you think, leave a review, share and tweet us at NetWomenCo, and find us on Instagram and Facebook just by searching NetWomen. Also head to our website for our latest blogs and updates at www.netwomen.co, or you can even book a call with me www.calendly.com backslash netwomen. Thanks for listening. Bye.